0: This is the Dean's Dissertation, the Cleveland Sports Review and Beyond, with your host, Greg Brinda.
1: Howdy, everyone. Today is July 4th, 2017. I'm here with your host, Greg Brinda. You might know him as the Dean of Sports in Cleveland, Ohio, also the longest running sports radio personality in Cleveland, Ohio. Hi, Dad. How you doing, Marielle? Happy 4th of July. Thank you. Happy 4th of we July. We hear fireworks in the
0: background, so uh, we're going to have a little special effects tonight. Not only are we doing a podcast uh, on the 4th of July, but we have bombs bursting in the air uh, in, in bet- behind us. So uh, it's going to be a pretty interesting evening here. It's, uh, it's almost dusk, and uh, yeah. we're going to see. What did I tell you? It's almost dusk, and... Uh, <laughs> We're going to we're gonna go forth here in a moment.
1: Literally go forth.
0: Literally, literally go forth. To boldly go where no man has gone before. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> I and. think that was used at one point, but uh, we'll use it again. We'll steal it. We'll borrow it. Whatever you want to say. Yeah. We'll just do it again.
1: Yep. In the Vulcan way. And this is episode one of the Dean's Dissertation, the Cleveland Sports Review and Beyond. Just like to boldly go.
0: Well, beyond party. means we're yeah. just not going to just do sports. Uh, I, I read a lot of things. And uh, also my dog is here, Juno. So uh, she may let out a bark or two before uh, the evening is out. Um, yeah, we, we will top we will uh take on many topics from uh, politics to religion sports you
1: name it uh we will talk about it yes we will mostly my dad will talk about it he's the host really but I'll, i'll stop by occasionally and share a thought or two but you know he's much more his opinions you know they're pretty good so, Dad, what do you want to start talking about today? I, well, well,
0: you know, we're in the middle of summer, 4th of July. Uh, typically, it's the midway point of the Major League Baseball season. And right now, it really is the midpoint of the baseball season. 81 games have been played by the Indians. Not every not every team has played 81 games. But the Indians, ironically here on the 4th of July, uh, are starting the second half. And they are in first place in the American League Central at 44 and 37, seven games uh, above 500. Let me just go back a little bit. Um, now in Cleveland, we have the Indians and we have the Cavaliers and we have the Browns. Those are our three big professional sports teams. Uh, my first love is the Indians. I saw my first Indians game on a Friday night in late July, back in 1962. The Indians played the Minnesota twins on a Friday night and I don't know if this was a bad omen or not. The Indians lost three to two, and I know that after the game I cried because uh, uh, it was the first game, and it was uh, it was it was awesome. I still remember. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. So,
1: who did you go to the game with back in 1962? Well, your grandpa, my dad,
0: uh, took me to the game. Mm. We got uh, box seats down the. I even remember where we were sitting. We were sitting down the first baseline, box seats. It was so cool to go to a game at night to see the big. Green field. You know, back then there was no color television. So I never saw a real baseball game in color until I actually saw a real baseball game in color. Wow. Yeah. So uh, walking into the stadium for the first time and seeing that big field all lit up and green was. Um, well it's something that I don't think a kid today could even remotely understand. They just they just wouldn't understand that kind of feeling that a lot of us prior to television being color all the time, you know, came into being. So for those of us who went to our first games prior to I would say the late 60s probably had those similar experiences.
1: Kind of like Dorothy walking
0: into, um... Oz, Oz, right. Yeah, exactly. Went from, you know, Kansas in the black and white to mm-hmm. uh, a very colorful Oz. hmm so that's, yeah, that's a good, that's a good, uh, that's a good uh, <laughs> uh, analysis. I, I like that. Uh, yeah. Odds in a baseball game.
1: So, you know, that was your first game. Would you say on average now how many baseball games do you think you attend per summer or per season,
0: really? Well, because I cover the Indians, you know, I would say I go to at least half of them at home. And, you know, if they're in the postseason like they were last year, you know, I'm, I'm probably going. To to 50-plus games a year.
1: That's a lot of baseball That's games.
0: A lot of, I've seen a lot of baseball uh, both at
1: the old stadium and progressive field in my life. And you've interviewed a lot of interesting players. Yes, I have. And coaches. And, um, yeah, you know, the glory days back in my childhood, you know, the 95 and the 97 Indians, those were you know, pretty historically great teams. Who stands out to you from those teams um, that you remember and that, you know, you enjoyed interviewing back then?
0: Well, you know, most of those guys were great guys to interview. Uh, The manager first, Mike Cargrove, was always good. He didn't always like criticism. So I would tell Mike, you know, don't listen to us on the radio, and you'll be fine. You know, he would drive home at night and listen to post games. I re- I wasn't doing the post game back then, and he'd get all, you know, he would get all angry if somebody was saying something bad, and <laughs> then he would tell me about it the next day. And say, Mike, Mike, stop! Mm-hmm. I mean, just don't listen. Go home, get in your hot tub, and mm-hmm. relax. I mean, don't listen to sports talk radio because, you know, you're gonna like some stuff and you're gonna hate some stuff. And, uh, and I said, you just, mm-hmm. you just Got to chill. But I, I really liked talking to him. I liked Sandy Alomar was the catcher. Jim Tomey, maybe the nicest guy on the planet. We got, we got Omar mm-hmm. Uh I mean, we, we had some really, really, really top-notch players. And then ultimately after that, um, Robbie Alomar, who wasn't... <laughs> (laughs) He was a little bit aloof. He wasn't the nicest guy. Sandy's brother? That was Sandy's brother, yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: One of the, maybe the best defensive second basemen ever in the history of the baseball. Um, But with a reputation. Yeah, I mean, you know, he spit on an umpire, which he he, uh, apologized for, and that really stuck with him for a long time. But, you know, there was no peer with his defensive ability at second base. But like I said, you know, there was a lot of good guys to talk to on the Indians. And
1: Michael. Was from Texas. Yep. He ended up playing for the Indians, and I think he said he played during the infamous was it five cent beer night? Nickel beer night. Yeah, nickel beer night. And he, you know, people were throwing beer bottles at the players. Yeah. He said, it and
0: that's was, when he played for the Texas Rangers. He mm-hmm. was a rookie in 1974. He was actually rookie of the year. And uh yeah, no. his first trip to the big leagues.
1: Interesting and, and experience. A night, and
0: a night in Cleveland, you have a riot breaking out in, in a game that the Indians, um, at the end of it all, forfeited to the Texas Rangers because they couldn't get the, the, the hordes of fans off the field. They had cheap beer. They had a flash crowd of over 25,000 fans there. And uh, most of the fans were not there to watch baseball. Most of the fans were there to watch, were to drink beer. Mm-hmm. And by the middle innings, it started to get out of hand. And by the end of the game, it was it was a riot. It ended up being a riot. And then uh, ultimately, uh, the Empires forfeited the game to the Texas Rangers, nine nothing.
1: Because we couldn't handle our shit. <laughs> and by the way, or our beer. <laughs> and that was his first impression of Cleveland, Ohio. And he has since made it his home. Yes, he has. And even to this day, after coaching for the Indians and leading them to two World Series, um, he, he now, what's his position for the Indians? He's kind
0: of like an ambassador. Yeah. Um, m- m- He does whatever they tell him to do. He Mm -hmm. has his own little suite at Progressive Field to entertain, you know, friends and clients of the Indians. So uh, he's literally there for every game in the winter. He he lives in Tucson. Mm -hmm. His winter home is in Tucson, where the Indians once had spring training. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I don't blame him. He gets away after the baseball season and comes back, uh, stops in, you know, Phoenix for the spring training and then heads to Cleveland in April.
1: So speaking of which, we'll Probably be bringing on, you know, Mike Hargrove in the future for a one-on-one podcast with the Greg Brennan. I certainly
0: hope so. That would be it. Would be awesome.
1: I'm sure it will happen. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, hopefully we'll win a World Series. You know, he was part of the, you know, American League Championship team last year, which almost won the
0: World Series. You know, think about it. I mean, uh, uh, in a 20-year span. Little over 20 years, I've seen the Indians go to three World Series. Mm-hmm. You know, prior to that, uh, they didn't go to any World Series. You know what's
1: so, funny is I've seen the Indians go
0: to three Yeah, that's World right. Series. And you have seen the Indians go to three World yeah. Series. So, yeah. uh, and I hope that we can see another one in 2017. I mean, they. Have just as good a chance as anybody to to uh, to go to a World Series, so so um, it would be great. It would be really. It would be. It would. There's nothing like. There is absolutely nothing, nothing, nothing like baseball in October.
1: Uh, So let's talk about baseball in July here. You know we. We made it to game seven, and, you know, we had basically the Cubs did to us what the Cavs did to Golden State last year.
0: Down three games to one, came back and won.
1: Which is pretty much really difficult to do, and we thought we were going to win the World Series, and then, of course, you know, the Cubs, yuck, came back and won. (laughs) And my mom, unfortunately, really loves that stupid Cubs song. (laughs) (laughs) Which we do not sing, but for some reason she thinks it's catchy. And she's not a Cubs fan. She's really not (laughs) a—she's probably not a baseball fan in general, but she does root for the Indians. She just, you know, she lets songs get stuck in her head. Right,
0: right. Well, that song was everywhere.
1: I know, I know. So anyways, the Cubs ended up winning, you know.
0: I burned a part of my head in in my brain so that song can't ever be played in my head.
1: Yeah, yeah. I stuck
0: out like a little tube through my head. It sets
1: something off, and my dad, if he hears it, he doesn't like it. He gets, you know, very upset. During the offseason, they acquired some talent, in Carnacion.
0: Well, I mean, they had a great team last year. Uh, Mike Napoli was their... uh, DH first baseman and he had an amazing year up until September when his bat went silent the reason a a a Part of the reason that the Indians got to where they got to was because of Mike Napoli and his bat and his leadership in the in the clubhouse. He was a great leader, you know, outgoing guy. Just you know, a lot of the young guys um, kind of followed him around, and um, he was good for the tribe. He was good for the tribe. But yeah, he had a couple of early home runs in September, and then his bat essentially crashed and burned. It just from that point on through the postseason. Uh, did nothing. He had one big game in in Toronto that helped the Indians, you know, move on through the postseason. But um, other than that, he basically did nothing. In
1: why do you you know, th- what do you think goes through a player like that's head where they're doing so well, and then you get to some more high pressure games, and then they fail to perform under those. You know, I
0: don't seasons. know. I mean, sometimes he just run out of gas. He might have just run out of gas or. You know, when you get to that point, you've batted so many times and there's so much tape on you that when pitchers look at you and they watch you at bat, they find flaws, similar to what batters do to pitchers. They find flaws in pitchers mm-hmm. by watching them all the time, by reviewing them on, you know, we call it tape, it's digital, you know, and yeah. and and they, they're looking for little things, things that, you know, are tipping pitches. And I think, you know, after a while... No matter what kind of hitter you are, you know, pitchers find flaws in your strike zone and and uh, and just go out there and, and, and try to get you out. And I think they, they found it in September, coupled with, I, I truly believe, I, this is just my opinion, it's nobody else's opinion. Um, I think he ran out of gas, too. I think that's the other thing. He just ran out of gas.
1: Well, I mean, you know, maybe he just needed to eat some more protein and... Well, maybe, yeah. I
0: I think they have good nutritionists, you know.
1: Yeah. I mean, so would you put all of the blame, well, some of the blame on him, but then then you've got that pitcher who decided to be playing with a drone also. Oh, that's right.
0: Trevor Bauer. Trevor,
1: Mr. Trevor Bauer, who got some stitches in his... (laughs) Pitching hand. Yeah, right. A few,
0: you know, yeah.
1: relatively close. At a hand. very untimely yeah. time, yes. Yeah. yeah.
0: In the postseason when they really needed him, when the Indians were down, two of their best pitchers had Carlos Carrasco and Danny Salazar, who, again, you, you hate to, because it'll just drive you crazy if you dwell on it. Well, if we had Salazar, mm-hmm. Carrasco, we probably win the World Series. You know what? They probably do win the World Series. But, you know, they didn't. Nobody's gonna feel sorry for the Indians. No one cares. Um, Can it's, I bring it's up one just, more thing? It's just now. the
1: reality. Sure. So Jason Kipnis was a Chicago Cubs fan his entire life. Right. He grew up in the he grew area. Up right. In the area. Now playing against, you know, his hometown team, but playing as hard as he could, and you get down to Game Seven, and he hits a foul ball that if he would have just straightened it out. Tiny bit, he would have hit the home run to win the game.
0: Well, Sports Illustrated—I don't know how long ago—they did a—they did a breakdown of that inning, mm-hmm. which is really—it was one of the best things I've seen written. And essentially, on the bat, uh, Kipnis missed it by about a half an inch. Okay, if if it's a half an inch, you mean up, uh,
1: the ball hitting? Yeah, yeah. The bat, that, yeah, okay. if the,
0: bat if the if the ball is up a, a half an inch on the barrel, it's a home run. Indians win the World Series. He's a hero. What a great story that is. Mm-hmm. Chicago kid comes back to beat the Cubs. It it. Continues their misery of not winning anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many stories could have been written. Of course, the best story would have been the Indians winning the first World Series since 1948. What uh, would have been the best series mm-hmm. of the uh, best story of them all? So, uh, but it didn't happen. He missed it by a half an inch, and mm-hmm. it just didn't happen.
1: Yeah. And it was interesting because, you know, being around the—I went to Game 1, which was the most exciting game probably to go to because the Indians won, obviously.
0: And it was the first game of the—I mean, there's nothing like that. Yeah, yeah. And it was, you know— It was opening night for the Cavaliers.
1: Yeah, it was opening night. They got their rings. Yeah, it was
0: opening night for the Cavaliers against the Knicks. They got their rings. Mm -hmm. It was Game 1 of the World Series. It was a beautiful night for baseball. Mm -hmm. The temperature was in the 60s. There were two blimps. There was one for the NBA. There was one for Major League Baseball. I like those blimps. I love those blimps. <laughs> it was a battle of the blimps. I mean it was like Cleveland was the center of the sports universe that night, October 24th, 2016, uh, and
1: 16. 16. yep. And what was weird is that there wasn't a lot of bad blood in the air. You had a lot of Cubs fans coming out who were happy to be there and who were, you know, saying that this rivalry was the best they could ask for because it was two teams that hadn't won a championship in right. a really Really long time, so
0: and Cubs fans are rabid. They travel everywhere. They got a lot of money. They can mm-hmm. and what made it even. I mean, it was um, a perfect storm. A lot of things just came into uh, uh, came into being and. Um, they all came here, and Cleveland fans, wanting thousands of dollars per ticket, mm-hmm. um, Indians made a major mistake, and they I think they've corrected it this year. They allowed their season ticket holders, which wasn't a big base, but they, they gave their season ticket holders eight tickets each to buy. Well, they all bought them at face value, which was expensive enough, but they sold them for. You know, five, six, seven times the face value of what they bought those tickets for, mm-hmm. and the Cubs being an hour away on an airplane or five hours away in a car, those who could afford it came here, and even those who couldn't afford it came here, and we were at the bars in Cleveland. Yeah, you know, just cheering their team on.
1: I know that made you upset. To yeah, see I, did Cubs like I did not like that. I did not like that at all. Our stadium, especially, you know, you know when they won, so. Oh, yes. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. but we won't talk about that. Let's get to the now, you know, live in the now. Um, So let's talk about the now. Let's talk about the state of the Indians, and let's talk about the changes they made with the team this year and how that's maybe helping or hurting us, you know, expectation versus reality.
0: Well, we don't have Mike Napoli, but we have uh, uh, Encarnacion. and, uh, Edwin Encarnacion, who is... Um, in my opinion, a much better hitter than Mike Napoli. Mm-hmm. He started out slow for the first six weeks. He did absolutely nothing, and, every, and I mean, I was panicking. I I didn't, I didn't know what was going on here. Mm-hmm. But he started to finally hit towards the end of May, and um, and it, it just uh, 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 you know it's 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 gone on from there. So he's really helped. Um, they didn't really do much else other than getting their two pitchers that were hurt. Carrasco and Salazar back, and Bauer is healthy. The problem is, Salazar has had some issues, health issues, and I think head issues. He's just, you know, I I don't know if he's mentally tough enough. Uh, Josh Tomlin, who, um, you know, pitched well in the postseason last year, has really pitched poorly so far and may lose his grip in the rotation. Mm -hmm. Um, They've kind of changed their outfield uh, a little bit because of injury. Uh the one thing the one guy that they got back and he's an all-star is Michael Brantley. Michael Brantley essentially did not play last year because of his injury to his shoulder. Mm no one knew i mean no one knew what michael brantley was going to bring to the table this year if anything cuz they no i mean everything it was all speculative was mm-hmm. he was he going to be healthy was he not going to be healthy um and do
1: you think he's going to be the that link that we need to to take
0: us all the way again well i i like his consistency as a hitter mm. his power numbers are down a little bit i don't care he puts the bat on the ball he's a very good hitter he is a major league hitter he is a professional To have somebody like that in the middle of your lineup and an Encarnacion and Jose Ramirez, who's just picked up where he left off as our starting third baseman in the American League uh, Mm All-Star game. Um, and he
1: just did something pretty historical, correct?
0: Yeah, I mean, just hitting uh, home runs from both sides of the plate twice in a, in a year. I mean, that's in a pretty, game, in, in a game twice in a year. Tw- okay, two times. So, so
1: he's a lefty and a righty. Is was that, that what you yeah, are talking about? Yeah, interesting. How hard is that to do? How many people bet left and right in the in the? Uh, not major many. Leagues? Not many. Really? Not many. Okay.
0: So, um
1: Is he do you think he does everything, you know, is he ambidextrous? I, I don't I don't I, I don't know. That would be a question for him. <laughs> that I'd like to know, does he right left and right handed? Does so, he golf left and yeah. right handed?
0: So um like I said, it's, it's been spectacular for him. Okay.
1: So what do the Indians need to do to to get to the World Series again this year?
0: Well, I think they need to stay healthy. Mm-hmm. That's number one. And I think the pitching needs to... The one thing, the starting pitching has been very, very inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Other than Corey Kluber, who was just named Pitcher of the Month for the month of June. His Do you think numbers he'll get the
1: were, Cy Young again?
0: Um, I think he certainly has a, has the shot. Absolutely. I mean, the way he's pitching is incredible. Hmm. He absolutely has a shot to be the Cy Young Award winner. Mm-hmm. But he needs, he needs some help. Carlos Carrasco has pitched pretty decently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they need another guy or two. Uh, actually, Trevor Bauer has pitched better than uh, expected, or at least my expectation. So he's okay. done a, a pretty good job. Uh, so you got Trevor Bauer, um, and who's, they just need who's to find... the
1: weakest link?
0: Well, pen- right now, I think it's Tomlin and Salazar uh, are the weakest link. Okay. So, um, you know, you couldn't I always say this, you never have enough pitching. And I, I think the Indians, because... Uh, the new front office is aggressive by nature, okay? They're ready to um, be aggressive here in the, po- the office, uh, in- during the season, before the trading deadline, which is mm. the end of July. Just like last year when they they got Andrew Miller and he was really the can Brandon Geyer who helped uh, defensively and was mm-hmm. a good right-handed stick in the in the outfield. Uh, they are putting themselves and they, they will put themselves, I think, in an in, in a good position. Uh, I have no doubt in my mind that if there is a deal to be made that will improve the Indians, especially from pitching, mm-hmm. uh, the Indian uh, uh, Antonetti, Chris Antonetti, and, and uh, Mike Chernoff, who's the GM, are. Going to um, are going to get the job done without question.
1: How do you feel about Clevenger?
0: You know, he's been a. It's been a good pitcher for the most part. I mean, I think um, he's a number four or five starter in the rotation. Mm-hmm. So you're not. You know, you're not expecting Corey Kluber-like stuff. Yeah. Um, but I think he's given the Indians that shot in the arm yeah. that we all wanted to see and, and, and hope for. So, so I, I, I think he's done a, a more than adequate job in the role that he's in right now. Okay. I think the other thing, too, that we got to—and and right now um, I'm a little nervous about is the, is the health of Terry Francona. What's wrong with him? Well, he's twice this year, he's had to leave leave the game because of feeling faint,
1: Hmm. and his
0: heart rate has accelerated. Uh, First time they diagnosed it as kind of dehydration. Mm -hmm. It happened about a week ago, and they ran all kinds of tests and didn't really find anything, and uh, he stayed overnight, didn't manage the next day, and now here we are at the start of the second half. He's not managing tonight either, and may not manage tomorrow night. He's back in the Cleveland clinic for more tests. I think they just are, uh, the doctors are a little perplexed because they don't really know what's going on with
1: them. Well, I can imagine if you're, you know, any sort of professional sporting coach that it's a high stress job. I mean, it's weird because you see baseball coaches on the sidelines and they never look like they're stressed out. They're
0: but always, it is, there's a lot of things going on. I know. And, they're you just know, and good I at that hiding that people, that, Right. And 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 people, you know, they don't realize what's going on or what kind of decisions a man manager and his coaching staff are making during the middle of the game. They're making a, a billion decisions in the middle of the game. They really are.
1: Well, you know, I remember you coaching little league and you know, you never coached my softball teams, but you always coached, you know, my brothers. My you know, my brothers are twins and my right. dad would coach their little league baseball games and my dad would get into fights with the umpires <laughs> and get kicked out of the games. And then he would Only
0: he, because the umpires didn't know the rules. Yeah. Let me just qualify that. <laughs> You know, it's, it's that they didn't know the rules or made bad calls. Other than that, they were really great.
1: And then my dad would go sit on some. He would have. To, he would get kicked out of the entire park, and then he'd sit on somebody's front lawn, like right outside of the <laughs> park, cross-legged, and he would just be fuming. And um, you know, my mom would pick him up in the van after the game was over, and he'd still usually be upset. So that was always fun to see. Well, that's baseball. I know. But Managers. You, yeah, I think art. you. You know, if you, I think it'd be hard for you to to do be in that position because I think you'd get too worked up
0: yeah I probably would yeah yeah I probably, yeah. I probably have a stroke. In
1: sometimes it. I think like Tyron Lue could act a little bit,
0: yeah, more instead of a little comatose. Like you know, he yeah.
1: cared, even though I know yeah. he cares. And you know, who knows though? Do you think LeBron's doing more of the coaching or
0: Tyron? No, I think Lue is doing the coaching. But you know, sometimes you just wonder. We had another Fourth of July firework mm-hmm. go off there. I think sometimes you got to wonder, um, you know, just how into it is he.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, or I mean, and I think. You know, I know that's his style, but uh, I think, you know, you just got to wonder: is is are they paying attention? Are they really are they really paying attention? So, as I said, the Indians are forty-four and thirty-seven at the half. They're in first place by three games over the surprising Royals and Twins. The Royals are hanging in there. No one really knows how, and the Twins are a very young team. Uh, Chicago and Detroit are just kind of. Cleaning up the, base, the basement. Boston, New York, and Tampa Bay are having a wild one in the American League East, and the Houston Astros are really the surprise team. Right now, they're the best team in the American League uh, with fifty-six wins. But the Indians have had their numbers so far this year, and 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 the the quirkiness about baseball is. You know, people will – if it comes down to the Indians in the postseason and, of course, the Astros, I can't imagine the Houston Astros not being in the postseason. Something incredibly bad would have to happen, and I don't think that that's going to happen because the Indians have had their number. That's just how baseball works. The Astros could be better than the Indians, but the Indians just might end up beating them because for whatever reason, they just – have the Astros' number. A so,
1: statistical malfunction?
0: No, I think it's just uh, the quirkiness of the game. There's no... You know, that's mm. why there's some... T- the Indians, for example, have murdered Justin Verlander of the Tigers this year. Justin Verlander is one of the best pitchers in, in all of baseball, not just the America League. He's one of the best pitchers in all of the game. Hmm. And the Indians have just had his number all the time. So, uh, I mean, and there's really... and. and and different guy, different different years, different players. Just lately, for whatever reason, they he can't be him. Chris Sale was another guy for the White Sox for so many years, just couldn't beat the Indians. And he's a great pitcher. It just it's one of those quirky things. Um, the Indians have had their quirkiness this year, where you know they've they've beaten up some teams that you wonder how they've beaten them up, and then there are other teams where the Indians just can't score. And for no real reason, the team isn't even that good. For and for whatever reason, mm. the Indians aren't hitting. So I don't know. It's weird. It really is. But that's 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 the uniqueness, and that's why baseball is such a great game.
1: Do you you know you do the post game shows now for ESPN Cleveland eight fifty right? So all right, well let's see. You're going to be doing a lot of updates on. Um, the Indians throughout the rest of the season here. And um, you know, I just have another question for you. Is I th- you're going to be talking about some historically, you know, some historical baseball stories, you know. You have a Yeah, I'm just going to be talking about baseball in
0: general things that I've seen, things that I've But you're a man of history. Yeah, and I that that find it, you know, fascinating just mm-hmm. because um, I love the game and I love history, and they go hand in hand. So it'll, hate, ma- it'll make it make for some greatness. I hate
1: great to stuff. put you on the spot here as the sun goes down and we hear more fireworks right. exploding here on this July Fourth. But is there any game in history that stands out to you on a Fourth of July or around this time in the baseball season? throughout your career that you remember? Um, well, it was in
0: 1939, July 4th, when Lou Gehrig retired from the Yankees. Oh, wow. You know, uh, that famous speech. Today, 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 I'm the luckiest, luckiest, luckiest man on the face of the earth, you know, because he was dying and um, uh, he couldn't play anymore. So that's probably the most infamous Fourth of July game in the history of of baseball.
1: How old was he?
0: 30... In his late 30s. Wow. So I'm looking forward to this going forward. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Yes. You're going to drop in sometimes. I'm just going to sometimes uh, spew out for a while. and then uh, No one someday. really wants to listen to me. Trust me. And then sometimes uh, we'll have some guests and we'll have some f- fabulous things to talk about.
1: Mm-hmm. Golf, baseball.
0: Football, basketball.
1: Mm-hmm. Cleveland sports, you know, sports teams that are not Cleveland based.
0: Yeah. Politics. You know? uh, yeah. So we're going to have it all. So.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. So listen on. Yeah, thanks for joining us for this episode one podcast of the Dean's Dissertation, Cleveland Sports and Beyond, with your host, Greg Brinda, the Dean of Cleveland Sports, and today your guest co-host, Marielle Brinda, his daughter. Um, Have a great Fourth of July. Dad, any um, parting holiday words? Um... Just don't blow your hands off tonight if you're shooting out fireworks. <laughs> well, you know, the Browns, some of the Browns players have done that, right? Or NFL No, NFL players.
0: NFL players.
1: Not yeah. Browns. Yeah. Okay.
0: No Browns. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Baseball players, they don't really have a track record for that?
0: No, they do not. Baseball players usually playing on 4th of July, so that's the good news.
1: All right, well, stay safe. (laughs) Okay, and um, go Indians. Go Tribe! Go Tribe! You've been listening to the Dean's Dissertation, the Cleveland Sports Review, and beyond. Subscribe now.